Welcome to the Legacy of John Williams podcast. I'm your host, Maurizio Caschetto, and today I'm presenting an exclusive feature about the new recording, Spotlight on John Williams, the debut album of the Swiss-based ensemble City Light Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Kevin Griffiths in a selection of film music masterpieces by John Williams, including Jurassic Park, Harry Potter, Star Wars Episode 7, but also presenting gems as The Cowboys, JFK and The Adventures of Tintin. It's a beautiful example of a young orchestra tackling with great enthusiasm and talent the repertoire of Maestro Williams. features acclaimed soloist Valentin Michaud, Reinhold Friedrich and Paul Meyer. The album is being released on April 9 digitally and as a two-CD set on the Prospero Classical label. So, I'm very happy to have here with me as my guest on the Legacy of John Williams podcast, Maestro Kevin Griffiths. Hello Kevin, and thank you for being here with me today. Hello Maurizio, it's a great pleasure to be here, your guest today. Thank you so much for the invitation. Um, it's an honor and a pleasure. You just released uh, a new recording uh, called Spotlight on John Williams, featuring the City Light Symphony Orchestra from Switzerland in a collection of themes from film scores by, by John Williams. The first question I'd like to ask you is how the project was born and how you were involved you know, in, into this. Right. Thank you so much. Uh, I believe I could say that on one hand, this wonderful project was born out of desperation. <laughs> <laughs> and on the other hand, it was a project we had in mind for some time already, um, but it never would have come to fruition so soon. Um, due to the global crisis, we were not able to perform for an incredible period of more than seven months. Um, and our last concert was in February 2020, and this production took place in October. <laughs> so um, having the urge to do something useful and creative, wanting to show our audience, which has incredibly enough turned out to be the entire world with the CD, um, because we had over 100,000 streams on Spotify already in the first months after releasing only some of the tracks. Um, so to show our audience that we are here dying to get back on stage and make music again to see our colleagues and do what we do best. Mm -hmm. um, and it was as late as June, I think, when Piemann Sengler, the managing director of the City Light Symphony Orchestra, and I got together to set the foundation stone for this CD project. Um, then everything happened really quickly. And maybe it's too soon to say the rest is history, but I can say <laughs> that we are extremely happy and proud of this recording, Spotlight on John Williams, which is, by the way, our debut album. Mm -hmm. Yes, and this is a recording that presents a very a rich program, 
which is spread it on two discs actually. That's so right. one is dedicated to uh, John's composition from some of his most famous scores for the big franchises like Star Wars, uh, the suite from from Episode Seven, uh, Indiana yes. Jones, uh, Superman, Harry Potter. While the second disc focuses instead on film pieces featuring solo instruments. So what was the reasoning behind the musical choices? Uh, so did you build the program yourself? Ultimately, it was a mix of choices by the managing director, um, Pimin Sengler and myself. Mm -hmm. um, Pimin already had several works in mind, but we had lots of fun discussing alternatives, listening to and discovering a large quantity of music by yeah. the great John Williams. Yeah. Um, for our debut recording, it was important for us to have some famous soundtracks on there as well. Naturally, the excitement of being able to record, for example, a Jurassic Park theme song kept us from making a dry, calculated decision on what to record. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other side, we wanted to also make a statement. Here is the city-like performance of it. Yeah. Okay. So it is also a great piece of music, of course, to work on orchestral sounds, the different layers of the string um, sonority. Mm -hmm. And so it was very healthy for the orchestra to perform these well-known um, scores. And yes, Star Wars and Harry Potter also are big franchise scores, of course. Nevertheless, We wanted them to be part of it. And instead of choosing a Hedwig's theme or an Imperial March or Star Wars main title, mm -hmm. we went for music that is possibly less known to most listeners, yes. unless we're talking about the core John Williams fan community, of course, who, who know <laughs> it, who know it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for Harry Potter, um, we kind of made our own three movement suite consisting of um, the Chamber of Secrets and Fox the Phoenix from the film, the Chamber of Secrets. And we used witches, wands, and wizards from the film Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban as a finale of the of the suite. Yeah. So um, this movement in itself already consists of music from the Quidditch game, the scene chasing Scabbers, Hagrid's friendly bird, and the snowball fight. So it's full of surprises and, for me, terribly exciting to listen to. <laughs> I mean, for us, it was important to have this mixture. And I think um, for me, one of my personal wishes was 
um, to include the music of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Mm -hmm. It is the music of the uh, end credits. And, yes. you know, it may start and end with the Raiders March, but all that comes in between is what really makes my heart beat faster. Um, <laughs> because most of the film takes place in Northern India. And I love the more exotic scales, the echoing rhythms of the percussion section, um, or the, the powerful theme played by the brass section and soon to follow with the uh, strings on the G string. Um, you really feel that music in your gut. Um, and it's just thrilling how John Williams brought all these feelings, spicy scents, black magic, uh, ritualistic human sacrifices to life with his music. <laughs> and so no wonder it was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Original yes. Score. Yeah. Um, and I was extremely young when I heard this music first, and it's just stuck with me ever since. That score, The Temple of Doom, is actually one of the, I think, one of the most favorite from, from the John Williams fan community. Oh, really? I know, I, I know that many John Williams fans actually prefer it over Raiders of the Lost Ark or, right. or, or the other ones, because probably for the reason you, you were saying, I think this uh, full-scale exoticism, this very in-your-face type of melodies, right. th this very rip-roaring orchestral uh, adventure that, that he's yeah. going through all the time from the first frame to the last. It's right. absolutely stunning. It's stunning, yes, yes. Maybe just to conclude uh, my answer to the question, um, as having what we what we recorded, we also added some less known music to the recording. For instance, the Tinker Tin from the Adventures of Tintin, yes. a wonderfully humorous score with jazzy elements, uh, and a harpsichord in it too. By the way, we used it was my dear wish to have a real harpsichord in it. Wow. So I think in the original um, John Williams recording, it's a synthesizer. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, but we used a real harpsichord and. Um, 
Also, we uh, recorded the 1972 John Wayne uh, movie, The Cowboys, which is a, a slightly less known score. Probably we know it more from the concert hall today than uh, from the movie, at least my generation. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah. Um, so I think it, for starters, was a good balance, um, the, the, the CD, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's a it's a really a brilliant showcase of, of also of John's diversity in terms of you know style and language. It's not like you you recognize the voice overall. That is the same composer, of course, because there are some staples that he uses uh, harmonically or throughout you know the way the melodies are are constructed and things like that. But overall, it's very diverse. You know, you yes. can be more diverse than the. Uh, the piece from the opening credits of Tintin, uh, rather than you know, <laughs> Born of the Fourth of July. I mean, right. th those are very, very you know. There's a broad spectrum in his style, and in this regard, there are some amazing soloists performing in this recording. Mm. Uh, I would like to mention them. Uh, you know, Valentin Michaud on saxophone, uh, Ronald Friedrich on trumpet, and Paul Meyer on clarinet. So, how crucial was to get? Great soloists. Um, we were very fortunate, of course, to have such uh, incredible soloists. And if you're going to have soloists, then, of course, preferring to have good ones. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this recording was incredibly important to us. And we must understand that the City Light Orchestra was founded just over two years ago. And we are a new player in the game. And mm -hmm. as a collective, it was pretty much first contact with John Williams scores. Um, and by releasing this album, we were catapulted onto the world stage playing with big boys such as the LSO London or the Boston Pops Orchestra, uh, because that is who we are mostly being compared with when it comes to the music of John Williams. Um, of course. So um, maybe just shortly before I forget that the official release will be in Switzerland on the 9th of April and the international release will be at the beginning of May, I think. Um, yeah, with a, with a release concert in the Kaka El Lucerne. Back to the soloists. Um, it was also particularly fulfilling to have soloists that are members of our orchestra. Um, Fabian Ziegler, uh, percussion, or Diego Caruso on the double bass, who performed solo parts and escapades. Mm -hmm. They're also members of the orchestra alongside their other activities. So, um, and luckily the same goes for Valentin Michaud, our excellent saxophone soloist for the escapades, uh, who won the Credit Suisse Young Artist Award in 2020 and recently performed at the uh, Luzern Festival. So um, this young trio did a fantastic job and their individual parts for Escapade are so challenging and then just getting it to sound together as one idea is, is really a big thing.
to have Reinhold Friedrich and Paul Meyer, two artists that have been on the big concert stages for many years, of course, mm -hmm. was a great honor for us all. It was uh, inspiring for all the musicians in the orchestra and myself, and they were really easygoing and fun to work with. So, for example, Friedrich just sat into the ensemble and played uh, the opening credits of uh, Tintin with us, you know, uh, no problem. And then he did his solos of JFK and Born on the Fourth of July. So um, it was really, really rather special experience for us all and a very motivating one. I think I, I remember Reinhold Friedrich from some recordings with uh, Claudia Bado. He, he yes. was he was playing and um, the Lutheran Festival, Festival Orchestra. Orchestra yes. yes, and he did the whole Mahler cycle. With, exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. In Lutern as well, by the way. Yes. So, yeah. Exactly. So th this is a nice uh, connection, in my opinion, because of course we know how much the classical European tradition is important into into the what we call now the Hollywood sound, which is what, of course, John Williams built his own style. You know, from from the greats from the past, like Korngold or Steiner, or Newman, and that then bled into his music uh, when he started to build and writing these larger scale symphonic scores. But back to the to the recording, um, uh, this is a very well known repertoire. You know, everyone knows mm. John Williams. Everyone mm. probably has listened to several recordings of his music. So, is there some specific quality or musical aspect that you try to get out of these very famous compositions? Or did you discover something new while you were studying the scores or rehearsing the music? Um, as you say, a very broad audience knows this music. And there are some excellent recordings out there which have set a very high benchmark. And benchmarks are a way to measure one effectiveness. Um, and as I mentioned before, you do step into a kind of competition with a project like this. But not that we primarily want to compete. Um, we simply worship the man and his music. <laughs> and better repertoire, um, what better repertoire to choose um, to give a first impression of the orchestra. So because his music is so versatile, as you mentioned before, we were able to show many different qualities and we had a lot of fun doing so. So most important uh, for me was that the orchestra sounded alive, um, using a wide palette of uh, colors and contrasts, uh, not just actively telling the story, but being part of it. So uh, that in all 
that in all was the essence, I believe. And we really tried in this short amount of time to shape the many different characteristics of the music. And I don't think I will ever cease to discover new things in this or any other music. Um, part of the philosophy behind the recording was that we wanted to bring out moments, highlight what we felt maybe got lost in other previous recordings. Okay. There is simply so much to hear and it is merely impossible to find that kind of transparency uh, of individual voicing uh, during the actual recording session. So we did the best we can, but other missing details we were only able to bring forward during the editing. Mm -hmm. And I believe that um, on this recording, one can hear and discover new elements in these pieces. Um, it could be a flourishing of a second clarinet, the color of a percussion instrument, emphasis on articulation, or maybe just other middle voices that are usually tucked away from the ear. So this was really our, our goal to, to tr crystallize out different um, um, instruments and, and uh, meanings. <laughs> Yeah, that's very true. I mean, I, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, one of my favorite selections in this new recording is uh, the Cowboys that you mentioned before. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm very used to the brilliant John Williams interpretation from the old Boston Pops recording that he did, I think, back early 1980s. And But this new recording is really refreshing to hear for me because it's really... It, it really brings out some of the details that in the original recording were kind of lost or maybe they were more in the background as you were saying uh, so it was very refreshing and I noticed Thank how you. well constructed the piece is I mean it's a fabulous piece of music of course on, on the surface one could say haha it's just John Williams ripping off Aaron Copeland but <laughs> when you <laughs> when you look at the score you see that it's not just like it's that it's his own signature for sure <laughs>
my gosh, I mean, we, we had a lot of fun doing this piece, The Cowboys. Um, and it, it's got this incredibly beautiful uh, mellow middle section uh, where the strings can really grow out of what was before this excitement. Um, and then the transition back into the uh, cowboy, the fast theme, um, which is a tricky part actually to, to pull off. Yeah. You know, where the single instruments, the, the wind instruments come in playing these short motives. Um, but it's a brilliant transition that he wrote. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that, there's a very thick uh, kind of counter counterpoint over there when you see the rhythm other than there and then the theme on the strings, but then exactly. the, the woodwinds start to doing something else. So it's, I guess it's very difficult to to balance all those aspects without getting lost uh, and, and sounding cacophonous in, yes. in some way. True. John Williams music in broad terms I mean his music nowadays we can say will live in the same pantheon of the great classical repertoire and and he's now of course recognized as one of the most influential composers of the 20th and 21st century uh, so how much do you think he contributed uh, in bringing a new audience to to the great orchestral repertoire um I don't really know the answer to the question. I mean, <laughs> everybody knows the music to Jaws, Star Wars, E.T., Superman, Indiana Jones, and in context of the film, and certainly also just by hearing the music. Um, so they have come in contact with the sound of an orchestra that have, you know, they've, they've heard what an oboe or a horn can sound like. Uh, and I can say from my own concerts that when I perform the music of John Williams, also in concert, live to the motion picture performances, there is mostly a full house and the audience is mixed through all ages, the majority being younger people. The energy and um, the atmosphere is so electrifying, it doesn't feel like you're sitting in a classical concert hall, but maybe in a, a Quidditch stadium, or <laughs> maybe that's an exaggeration because people actually do listen to the performance first. But you know what I'm, I'm trying to get at. Um, yes. I don't know how many people from that audience then go and visit a traditional symphonic concert and listen to a performance of a Mahler symphony, for instance. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean by not really being able to answer the question. So there is no doubt that the music of John Williams has opened uncountable doors to people around the globe into a world of symphonic music. And I don't think they will ever forget that experience. The unlimited amount of timbres that can be produced by an orchestra, the luscious string sounds or the full power of the collective. Mm -hmm. I mean, live music can get under your skin. So Yes, well, well, totally, yeah. absolutely. And, and, and yeah. we miss it so much and at this very moment. You know, it's a full year without concerts. It's been very tough. I really can't wait to, to go back to the concert hall. But in this regard, yes. do you think uh, um, uh, 
it's, it's important to remind the audience that this is music from films or or could it maybe we, we could make an experiment and try to not say that this is film music. maybe let's put like take the cowboys or or maybe jfk maybe pieces that are not that famous like the other from john's repertoire and do you think we can take these pieces and present it to the audience without telling them that this is from movies and being able to, to enjoy them nonetheless well you see i think this is one of the great things of uh, john williams qualities as a composer um i think in fact this could even be his legacy mm-hmm. <laughs> because <laughs> speaking because um i think that um his music is even more special because it reflects the film but it also stands on its own mm-hmm. like a symphony stands on its own feet so he is in that respect an exception and i think this could be an example for future composers that music doesn't have to take second place to a film mm-hmm. a film loses all its emotions without the music so it doesn't just enhance the movie uh, but makes the emotion happen so john williams does this very well because in the concert hall audience are still overwhelmed with his emotions so i think yes definitely um it is a rather special aspect of his music i mean maybe we could um mention one or two other composers maybe bernard herman yes. um uh, wonderful uh, film music that also stands alone in the concert hall but the pieces are usually a bit shorter mm-hmm. and um john williams has just a, such a vast um array of uh, possibilities and 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 amount of music that uh, definitely would stand alone in the concert hall yes Also, the fact that he prepared all these uh, specific versions for to be played in the concert hall. I mean, yes, exactly. The, the you, you, 
Yeah, you built the, the, all the the pieces from on this new brand new recording comes from the library of pieces that he uh, published officially through Hal Leonard, his publisher, and 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 they are available for orchestra all around the world to be performed. and And I think it's probably the only film composer who spent so much time, you know, preparing and taking care about how his music has to be played live by, by a symphony orchestra. I mean, there are, of course, other great composers who prepare beautiful concert suites from their film scores, but, but I mean, the sheer volume of John Williams' music that is, is available to perform is, is quite outstanding. And it fills two CDs, but probably even three or four. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Remember the first time you hear the music of John Williams when you were a kid, probably? Um, I like to think it was Star Wars because it was one of the earlier films I had seen and scores I had heard. Mm -hmm. And I'm a great fan of the original trilogy. Um, mm -hmm. But I think my first encounter might have been Jaws when my father brought me to an open air cinema to watch the film when I was still rather young. <laughs> it was. Um, Yeah, it's an experience I will not forget. Um, <laughs> those opening bars and yeah. Um, but I think that was the uh, piece I heard first. Um, I mean, I grew up listening to John Williams, of course. So the impact that his music had had on me is just tremendous. I would say, you know, not only musically, but I go that far to say that it has shaped me also as a person. Do you remember when was the time when you, when you after you started uh, studying music that you realized that that was a lot more behind the surface. I mean, of course, we all fell in love with this music because of these beautiful melodies and the, the, the marriage with great images on the screen. But when you start, you know, really learning and studying this music, you realize that this is the work of an excellent of a level. Yeah, of a great craft. I mean, it's... Yes. Um, of course. I mean, when I, you know, I used to listen to the music uh, in relation to the film when I was young. And then, of course, uh, you had a CD of it, and, and today you've got Spotify, so you can just, you know, go through the entire library, really, in, in no time. And so I have to honestly say it was very recent um, where I discovered uh, all of, or a lot of his music. And I actually had no idea, to be very honest, that, that he had written so much. And this, this has really impressed me uh, recently. Um, And then just now really working, you know, for a CD recording, you go into more detail mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. maybe than you would for a concert, um, especially when you're on stage. So you're really working precisely on, on specific moments. And it's there when you really come to realize um, what he has created. And it is so fascinating. Um, just the orchestration itself is brilliant. Um, and it's, you know, it's, as we would say, maybe old school today or more classical based as in the symphonic orchestra used compared to some other uh, film composers today. But uh, it is just uh, so fascinating to look at the scores and to see the diversity that he uses, um, not just in instrumentation, um, but as I mentioned before, the uh, jazzy elements in Tintin, for example, going to a Star Wars or... Um, you name it. I mean, there's there's so much different repertoire. I love is you know he's always uh, very direct and transparent you know the, the melodies really grabs you by the heart in many ways but at the same time the level of sophistication mm. and craft is so impeccable and and you know like in the piece that you were mentioning before from Harry Potter 3 Azkaban uh, you know there, there's this incredible brief but amazing flute solo in, at the, in the middle <laughs> that it's like I mean that, that is not something you encounter every day <laughs> in, in right. any piece. I no, think. exactly. Uh, we also had a lot of fun doing this uh, passage with the flute, uh, Hagrid's bird flying around the uh, castle grounds. And it was a very virtuoso performance uh, by him indeed. As you say, uh, the ability this music has um, to go directly to the heart and John Williams' craft, as in his orchestration, his imagination, his life experience, um, or even just the motion picture as an incentive is related, of course. So it is the holistic experience of the final result, intimately interconnected that allows us to feel in that way.
I spoke with many uh, studio musicians from the Los Angeles area who performed in many of his scores that originally this music is performed by, you know, by sight reading by, by the musicians, which is even more amazing if you think about this. So he has that uh, confidence in, in what he writes because he knows, of course, there will be excellent uh, people playing it, but he never restrain himself from what he's writing because he isn't afraid to demand a lot from from the people he he works with absolutely i mean that is of course amazing how quickly these orchestras can just pick up the sheet music and perform it on such a convincing level in the uk they are trained this way and this is their daily bread and i remember speaking to uh, sir colin davis about it because i was so in awe of this capability at the time of my conducting studies in London and Manchester. Um, and I was new to those ways of working because I grew up on the continent where we just have more rehearsal time for a project, for a program. And I believe both ways have their pros and cons. But uh, Sir Colin Davis said that uh, he liked to have less rehearsals because it kept that certain spark for the performance. So that's smart of John Williams, of course, to use the potential he recognizes in orchestras. And look, for example, at the horn solo in The Force Awakens. Imagine just pulling that off in the moment after just seeing the music for the first time. It is um, so exposed and, you know, should feel pure, remote, uh, but free. Speaking about uh, you know film music in classical environments, so do you think there is still bias toward the, the repertoire? I mean, you, we know that for many many years, decades, we should say, uh, everything that was coming from the film world was looked with some kind of snobbery by the classical elite, let's say. Right. Uh, but but today is the. the <clears throat> there seems to be a change in that. So what's, what's your stance? It is certainly nothing like it used to be. Prejudice was a problem. If you think back to the time where film and writing music for film was a rather new medium for the masses. Um, it was at times shameful even for classically trained musicians or composers to dedicate their artistry to film. So you would be seen as a second-class composer, really, and it would be increasingly difficult to have a career as a serious composer. I use this term deliberately. Mm -hmm. And the likes of Adorno and Hans Eisler wrote about film music and its relation to Hollywood and possibly spread a bit of this negativity. But um, Eisler being highly interested in film music and the genre, um, generally thought film could be put to use for entertainment and education in society. On the other hand, he also criticized the conditions uh, for composers. Another composer that I could have mentioned before, whose music definitely also can stand alone in the concert hall, would be Ennio Morricone. Oh, yes. He's, yes. 
he said that people saw him as a film composer, but not any other kind of composer. And that is a rather sad thing, actually, because nobody really likes to be categorized. It's a little bit similar to these days when people say you're an opera conductor, you're a ballet conductor, or you're a film music conductor. And of course, you've possibly specialized in a field, but it doesn't particularly mean that you can't do the other equally well. And I think John Williams was one not to be affected by these prejudices. And he actually said, and I just made a note uh, for myself to um, read what he said. He said, I consider movie music as a legitimate art form, like a symphony or an opera. Um, so I believe a great part of the development and modernization of film music is thanks to John Williams, as he largely contributed uh, to bringing the classical Hollywood music style to where it is today. And the beautiful thing is that we could say he is still and possibly one of the only composers that writes in an old fashioned or classical symphonic way within Hollywood. Yeah, I think that just came up to my mind as you were talking about this uh, line of evolution in many ways. Uh, is the fact that uh, I, I recently finished uh, reading the beautiful biography uh, of Max Steiner, the great Hollywood film composer of Gone with the Wind, King Kong, and he was literally the the pioneer. And Steiner was the first one to to really to adapt the techniques of writing for opera or even operetta, because Steiner was really a conductor of operettas in Vienna when he was very young. And I see this line of pattern that starts from the cradle of great European music and travels with these people to Hollywood, the ability that they had to, to go out and, and to shrug them off the labels or the fact that they did, weren't afraid to, you know, they didn't want to be labeled as, is, you know, as movie composers. But uh, of course, some of them probably felt a kind of you know, uh, frustration for not being recognized enough for, for the art that they were doing. But at the same time, I think that they were very uh, forward thinking. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think actually also John Williams is to be thanked for this development, um, also partly because he was principal conductor of the Boston Pops and how he implemented these, this music into the program. So, which brought us to where we are today. And since you, you performed a lot of also for live to picture concerts uh, right so you, you you became a kind of a specialist in this very specific genre uh, so what do you think are the main differences when you're conducting a concert with a live film uh, versus you know film music repertoire but in a standard concertized version well um i'd say the um it's a lot more stressful <laughs> film. um because you you are, s at s to some point, you are kind of fixated on, on the picture, right? So you don't have as much freedom and space uh, to bring out what you maybe would want to musically. Um, so if I bring my own musical ideas to the table, <clears throat> um, because you have a click track, you have, um, you have the punches and streamers. And so you're sort of, you're balancing it out. And of course, you can always play slide to the left, the right of the, of the beat but um, you are obliged to stick to that picture. Um, so I love doing it. I love the thrill of it. And I have to say, I, I miss it dearly. Um, haven't done it now. I think it's been uh, a, a year or even over a year since we've done that. 
Um, I think that is one part. So when I, when I just stand on stage performing an actual concert program, um, probably I'm more relaxed in a sense. I can play around more with the music. I could surprise even the orchestra at a moment, um, you know, to do something completely different. Um, so there's, there's a lot more freedom in that sense, um, artistic freedom. But um, nevertheless, I can't say I enjoy doing the actual life movie film any less than a, a concert. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's a very peculiar format. I mean, uh, that that is is what probably is drawing a very different audience to concert hall nowadays rather than than regular symphonical. Because I agree to, to these concerts. Probably there are lots of people who maybe never been in a concert hall before. You know, that will be their first experience by hearing a a, a symphony orchestra live. And yes. I think it's a great, you know, it's a kind of a, a good compromise <laughs> in many yes. ways because you, you have new audience and maybe they will start to focus more on the music rather than the movie. Uh, but of course, it's, you know, it's a, it's a very different kind of, of mentality, I think. Yes, absolutely. I mean, when I bring friends generally to a concert, you know, no matter what it is, they're usually very surprised um, to finally understand what it means um, to listen to a piece in, in such depth. And um, I mean, friends of mine come to a Beethoven symphony and they say, I would never have imagined, you know, I, I thought I might fall asleep, but uh, <laughs> they're always extremely inspired after it. Yeah. And with uh, film music or even John Williams, um, with or without a live film, this actually magnifies this sensation. Um, I mean, as I said before, it, it's, it's the energy, the electricity in the air is just uh, overwhelming at times because um, we have a majority of young people and you can feel that. I can feel that in my back when I conduct and the, um, the reaction at the end of a concert is, you know, it's incredible. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and I think this is probably what could, could be done to, to sell maybe to, to more people to come to these kind of concerts because really I, I do distinctly remember the first time I heard uh, the Star Wars main title theme played live by a symphony orchestra it was absolutely a, a a transfixing moment for me because I was yeah. so used to listen to this piece on CD and records, but it's not the same. I mean, when when you hear the, that first initial blast, especially if it's a good orchestra <laughs> in a good concert hall, it's really it blows your mind, you know. And this is that's something that no high fidelity system can ever replicate, no matter what kind of <laughs> device you use to listen to your music at home, you know. There's, no, you, you could never like compare it. it with a live performance, no, obviously, no. yeah, yeah. And I think people uh, realize that when they come.
trying to cap off our conversation, Kevin, I would like to ask you uh, if you have any specific favorites uh, among the pieces you recorded in for this album. Oh gosh, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's always the hardest question. Um, how do I answer that? I mean, I love every track we recorded. Um, maybe from a perspective of conducting, Star Wars Suite, I think, beats them all. You really feel the force. <laughs> so, and I mean, yeah, it's very difficult to say. I mean, as a conductor, I'm not really allowed to say anyhow which is my favorite because sure, I'm, of course, you yeah. bring inspiration to the musicians for for every single piece. But I mean, it would have probably been the Star Wars Suite. Um, I loved I loved doing the Tintin. That was very exciting. Mm -hmm. There's many other tracks that I would also, you know, suggest as my favorite. Um, I mean, just looking at the Prisoner of Azkaban, of which mm -hmm. we took out only a small, you know, bit. Um, there's um, the Night Bus. I love the Night Bus. It's oh yes, mad music. Um, or Buckbeat's Flight is so beautiful. Um, and there's these uh, movements with recorders. He uses recorders. I mean, again, a completely different aspect to his music. Yeah, he he wrote some kind of uh, Renaissance styled music yes. for the third one, which is very very peculiar. I mean, I I do remember the first time I heard that soundtrack that that. The stylistic diversity there is all over the place. You come from medieval sounding pieces yes. of music to modern 20th century, you know, yes. Ligeti like uh, yes. <laughs> kind of yes. compositions. Or, or even uh, Wagnerian like. Um, one of my favorites, and which I recently discovered, is uh, Night Journeys from Dracula. Oh, I mean, it's fantastic. such a fascinating score. And uh, it's a completely different world. I mean, you put that on, I, I wouldn't have thought at first that it was John Williams. With time, it builds, yes. But at the beginning, how he uses the motive, um, it's, it's fantastic. Or um, one more of my favorites that I only discovered in the last months was uh, from E.T., uh, Stargazers. Oh, yes, the piece for harp and orchestra. Yes, was... completely unique in its own way. Yeah, it's a kind of mini concerto, yes. Right. Uh, so actually, these would be tracks I would be very interested in also doing in the future as a performance or maybe even as a recording. Um, I can't say for sure, mm -hmm. but something tells me that this might not be our last Jim, John Williams recording. <laughs> oh, that's so, that, um, that's yeah. something really very much to look forward to. I mean, it's... Uh... I really appreciated this new recording because I think, as I was saying before, it offers a, a perspective on the on the composer that is that goes a little bit beyond the usual uh, selections that, of course, are associated with him. Uh, but you know, also showcasing the the brilliance of the group of the City Light Symphony Orchestra, which is really a, a spectacular <laughs> ensemble so of people. Really, yes. It's uh, I, I was and I was really impressed that to see that many of the players are really young people. It's not like <laughs> an, orchestra, an orchestra of veterans. It's really a group of, of very, <laughs> right. very young people. Right. Very true. Very true. I mean, I have very enthusiastic, highly motivated uh, musicians and, you know, they would implement anything I ask for. And of course, as I said before, we have to take into consideration that we are only just over two years old yes. and that we shall still grow with time. But I believe there is still much untapped high potential to be nurtured. And the great thing is that every single player in this orchestra is really burning to give everything for the music. And it will always be a key ingredient for any individual wanting to join the City Light family. And I think a healthy devotion and interest in our collective growth is of great value and importance. And 
especially during these intensive days of recording, we all really found to each other. It was quite the bonding experience. So I very often would push the orchestra to the limit and they would push me to the limit. And so through this circle of giving and taking, um, I could say we really forged the CD in fire. <laughs> no, because I, I was thinking that um, each uh, John Williams fans or admirer has his own set of favorites from, from his career. But what, what, what it struck me when I was listening to this new recording, it's the broad uh, general uh, spectrum that you can look at. I mean, this is a man who wrote music for now, I mean, 60 years, and, and he produced so many incredible works. And of course, we are celebrating the man and his genius. But if we look just at the music and we see how you know, how, how much work there is behind. I mean, it's, it's, it's really impressive. I mean, it's a really a testament and, and I think also a, a benchmark for any young musician, young composer to, you know, to, to aspire to, to that level of greatness. It is. And I hope that young composers or a young composer in the future will take the reins from there. Orchestra uh, is, is at this moment in time is a very important uh, element to look forward to the moment where we get back to the concert hall uh, because I think that probably people will want to go to live experiences uh, more than any other moment in history when when COVID will be over and then we 
can uh, go back uh, safely and and, uh, and joyfully to, to concert halls. You know, lots of people will come and will storm the place. I think, and and I, I, hope I think, so. I hope so. and I think also it's important to build a new way, probably, of um, uh, presenting music to the audience. And I think film music and specifically John Williams music offers a great platform in this regard. Maybe to to you know to build maybe more creative programs or maybe to create a different kind of, you know, putting pieces together. It's, I think it's, there is a lot of fascinating work that will await, you know, musicians and conductors and orchestras around the world in this regard. Yeah, certainly more and more people are becoming aware of these types of concerts. And it is always up to us to stay creative and to also think within the zeitgeist, adapting our programming, but of course also at times keeping elements of concert programs challenging for the listener. Let's make it a promise to maybe to meet one day uh, in Luzerne and, to, and that would be wonderful. To, to chat in, live in person and perhaps join in a concert. So. You're always welcome as our guest. Oh, thank you very much. I, I know that uh, there, there are plans to perform Superman the movie in live in concert Correct. in june i think yes yeah that would be such an amazing because it's also one of my favorites from my childhood you know superman was together with star wars and et was you know the, the trio of movies that were i was obsessed with <laughs> yes when i was a kid so seeing that yes. movie live with an orchestra playing that would be very very special fantastic So, Kevin, thank you very much for, for the time you dedicated to me. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's uh, really, I recommend to all the people listening to go to Spotify or YouTube or maybe when we, it will be available to the classic record store and buy yes. a CD of this beautiful new recording, Spotlight on John Williams on Prospero Classical label. Uh, two CDs featuring 20 plus tracks of great music by John Williams conducted by Kevin Griffiths and performed by the City Light Symphony Orchestra. Uh, Kevin, thank you very much for your time to and for being my guest today. Looking forward to meet you soon one day. Thank you, Maurizio. I also look forward to meeting you in person very soon. Thank you. Thank you.